Hi, this is Steve Roost, and you're listening to Health Tech Hour on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio. Hello and welcome to Health Tech Hour on UK Health Radio. My name is Steve Roost and each week we bring you the best news, views and interviews from the CEOs, founders, leaders and clinicians who are changing the world of healthcare uh, in the UK and beyond. Uh, I'm a healthcare founder and CEO myself and I'm passionate about the people and companies who are changing the world. This week we have our first guest from the United States on the show, which is very exciting. We'll come to that in a second. Just before that, I have to do a bit of an admin, a bit of business. So please make sure to follow the show on all the socials, which is at Health Tech Hour. And please make sure to follow the station, which is at UK Health Radio. So uh, today we have Shelby Sounderford, who is the CEO and founder of DocPace. Now, DocPace, this actually ties in very nicely to last week's show where we had David Ezra from Vantage Health on. It's in the same space of trying to understand how to match up the care that people need with the people that can provide that care in real time. So DocPace is one of the leaders in the United States at matching up uh, demand and uh, supply and demand for care coordination. What does that really mean? Well, they are attempting to eliminate waiting rooms at doctors or any kind of point of care or any kind of clinic um, in order to ensure that um, people who need to be seen are seen where they need to be seen and when they need to be seen. So, as I said, this is an area that we've covered last week with, with David and it was super interesting. We got great feedback from all of our listeners. And so I'm really excited to, to welcome Shelby to the show. Shelby, how are you? Steve, I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be here and I can't wait to dive into this. Great. Good stuff. So um, as regular listeners will know, the show is split up into three parts. So the first part is sort of an origins part about how you and Doc Pace, well, how you really came to be changing the world. And then the middle bit is all around what Doc Pace is doing right now and all of the innovative, fantastic stuff that, that that includes. And then the final piece, if we get to it, which, you know, depends on sort of all the timing and things, is, is the future for Doc Pace and, and, and other things that we might want to talk about. So um, let's jump straight in, because I have a suspicion that the last 12 to 18 <laughs> months has been somewhat transformative for your business. So um, how what, what's the mood in the camp? You know, how, how has the last sort of 12 to 18 months been been for you and, and the team at Doc Pace? It's been um, quite a roller coaster <laughs> 12 to 18 months, um, you know, lots of positives um, and the fact that we have been able to provide a solution um, that's been able to help during this kind of crazy time of uncertainty um, and, you know, the ability to help staff and patients um, through this process has been quite rewarding. Um, And then we've also, you know, learned a ton through the transition of just what's happening on the grander scale. Um, And that's helped give us a lot of direction of of where to continue to go um, into the future. Okay. And obviously, you are based in the United States. This is true. No? Yes, it is. is New Orleans, Louisiana. New Orleans, Louisiana. Good stuff. All right. So I think, um, you know, we don't have to get into it right now, but I, I really think it would be of interest to our listeners to understand as we go through these things, you know, what potential, you know, differences in the way that things were handled in the last 12 to 18 months over on your side of the pond versus our side of the pond. And it might be the same way, but mm-hmm. I guess we'll sort of figure that out. So first of all, um, you know, starting with the origins of it. So h- at what point did you start your journey into into healthcare or health tech? H- how did mm-hmm. that kind of come about? Um, you know, this is going to sound kind of crazy, but it all started with a pair of Tom's shoes okay. um, that had this quote, um, you know, be the change you wish to see in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I got them, I think I was like 14 or something. And I wore those shoes everywhere. I was obsessed with them. Um, and it really became kind of my, my life motto. And um, it didn't come up until later. I didn't really connect all of this until I was in undergrad studying um, pre-med, thought I wanted to be a doctor, um, and actually got introduced to the business side of um, healthcare during one of my healthcare administrative classes. Um, And I had the opportunity to work in a hospital and really was just exposed to a lot of the um, internal challenges that the hospital and the administrative side faces. 
And um, that quote from those shoes just kept coming back. Like I, I was seeing what these challenges were firsthand and frustrated by them um, and kind of set out on my own mission to, to be that change and help solve the problems I was seeing around okay. patient satisfaction, um, wait time challenges, um, more like operational challenges of, of coordinating provider time and, and staff availability and, um, so, and matching that to patients' needs. So, yeah, wow. <laughs> oddly all started with those Tom shoes. I, I got to say, I love Tom's. I have had many pairs of Tom's over the years. I'm a big fan of, of, of the shoe. Um, I don't remember the quote. But I think that quote actually might be from from Gandhi. So you it know, is. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Tom's. I hope you know. I hope, I hope Gandhi's estate got some kind of commission for that. But anyway, that's a separate thing. Um, so, so going back to that kind of like moment when you were doing those internships and things like that. Like, how clear was it what the problems were, or was it more just a general mm-hmm. sense that there was something here, a bit like, well, you know there are lots of nails here. So I need to go find a hammer type of thing. Or was it like, oh my goodness, this is an epiphany of this particular issue. I think I'm, you know, the, the pain point and the challenge was there on the surface level, but like the actual root cause has taken years to, to kind of dig into it and really realize what is actually causing um, these pain points and these challenges. So when I was actually working in the, in the hospital and, and, seeing those kind of more surface level, um, those were quite obvious, like patients waiting and, you know, that causes dissatisfaction. And, um, but it was kind of digging into that and really figuring out like, okay, well, what's really causing this and how can we solve that problem? Um, And that's, there's, it's a very complex problem that, yeah. you know, there's, there's lots of different angles and, and ways to look at it, but that's what we've spent the past um, six plus years digging into really understanding like at the root, what is causing this problem and how can we help um, solve it? Okay. Well, we'll come on to all of that. Like as we move through mm-hmm. when you went after the internships and things like that. So then what, like what, what happened then? Like, how did you move from this kind of, oh my goodness, there's some problems here and I'm really motivated to sort of fix them. How did that then sort of evolve into, you know, what's the journey from there to kind of dock pace and, and, and that type of thing? Mm. Um, great question. So, you know, I think it was mostly that it just kept coming back to me. Like even after I finished the internship, uh, the whole next semester, I, I kept like, I was just stuck on this. Like, how do we fix this? How do we get to the, how do we make this better for the system as a whole. Um, and it's actually funny because I initially wanted to move to London after oh, yeah? <laughs> undergrad. Yes. Good decision. Great decision. <laughs> um, and, and that was my plan. And then, um, you know, because this, it just kept coming back to me, like, why, why is this the problem? How do we fix patient satisfaction? How do we make it so patients don't have to wait? Um, and so I just started interviewing people. I just networked with um, like family friends I knew and was asked them questions about um, this problem. They were all, you know, working in healthcare in some way, shape or form. Um, And I spent probably six to eight months just learning and asking questions and, um, and then ultimately decided to start the LLC and, and start building the solution. So, um, so like when you, so when you say you were asking people questions, like what were you, what were the kind of questions that you were asking? Like what, cause I, I give you an example, like there's obviously an expectation in a hospital. If you go to the emergency room that you will have to wait for some indeterminate <laughs> length of time. Right. So sort of, you know, waiting in a hospital context or a healthcare context is sort of, there's like an acceptance of a certain level of waiting, right? But then after that, mm-hmm. it obviously leads to dissatisfaction. So like, what were the questions that you were trying to get? I guess, what were the questions you were asking and what were the trying to answers you were trying to get out or the data more, more importantly that you were trying to extract? Mm-hmm. I was trying to understand like the depth of the problem. So one was like, do, do okay. Cause the, the problem is of patient waiting is, that's a challenge for the patient, right? Like the patient Mm -hmm. doesn't want to wait. So what does that mean for the provider? 
and how does that, you know, how do you figure out um, the impact that really has on their day? And so that's what I was, you know, trying to understand, like, is this right. a problem you're thinking right. about frequently? How right. would you solve it? Um, does it, does did you, it matter did, to you? Yeah, exactly. Did you have to go into like, does it matter? Do you care? Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what was the response on that? You know, majority of the time was like, I really value my patient's time. I do not okay. want them to have to wait. Sometimes I walk out into the waiting room and I tell like, apologize. Um, like, 99% of the time, that was the answer. Okay. Um, you know, we don't need to worry about the 1%. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. Okay, well, that's reassuring, right? That, that people care, yeah. you know? And so, you know, and then the other half of it was like, okay, so do you have a solution for this? Do you, what do you do for this now? How do you help um, solve this problem for your patients today? Okay. And it was the things like I walk out into the waiting room and say, I'm sorry. Or I have my front office call ahead of time and let a patient know, like, we're running behind. Okay. Um, and so, you know, just trying to understand, like, all the dynamics of, of this problem from the provider side, not just the patient side. Okay. I think that that's really, that's really interesting. And we might be dig into that a little bit more because I think that's sort of, it's all well and good saying, you know, we want to increase patient satisfaction, but that's really just one side of the issue because in the healthcare system, unless you can get the payor on board with that, then yep. it's not going to really fly. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and so after you did all that six to eight months of, of going around doing all your questions, your networking and things like that, then, then what happened? Then started the LLC um, and decided to do the initial um version of the product, which was actually a mobile application for patients. Um, so we built this mobile app for a patient to have on their phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of similar to like Uber app okay. on your phone where you could, um, you know, see how far away your appointment was and how long the wait time was the day of your appointment. Um, so spent time uh, developing that. And ultimately uh, ran into a couple of challenges of patients having to give location rights um, and actually having to open the app the day of their appointment. So the tricky thing with apps is that if you're not using it every day, Mm. um, then it's a little bit more difficult to get that compliance on like the day of an appointment. So an appointment isn't, you know, maybe you're going once a year or... So you're not using it every day. And so what we ended up doing was shifting to actually the, the SMS text messaging model um, where now all that communication with the patient just happens through SMS text. No downloads are needed. Um, So we, we eliminated that little hurdle. Okay, good, good. And um, why, and, and, and with, with that initial, you know, Uber type or Uber sort of style, Mm -hmm app how, how did you go about like actually getting the information about the wait times at that really early stage um do you mean on the provider side yeah well like if you if you've got the app and the person opens in it says oh my goodness your appointment's been delayed by two hours is that data that you were able to get from the people that you were working with because that's pretty cool yeah so we had a couple of um practices actually local in new orleans that we were working with to kind of develop that initial um, alpha version of the, of the product. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how it actually works is we integrate with their existing schedule system or their EMR. Okay. Um, and so we pull that data from the system that they're already using so that they don't have to double input anything. You know, everything kind of happens seamlessly and, and automated to make that tool as easy as possible for a provider or practice to use cool and from that mm-hmm. alpha version how, how did you sort of transition from there to what doc pace is today mm. i think it's just been you know in this in the startup shoes on this journey you're you're, you're constantly iterating um right and and learning yeah. 
from users, getting that feedback, um, and also adapting to what's happening in the world um, and just kind of the, the direction the, the healthcare system as a whole is going. And, and that's what we saw happen a lot over the past 12 to 18 months was just, you know, analyzing and evaluating, like, how is this shifting our system as a whole? Um, and how can this tool platform um, fit into that and, and really play a, a key role? And at the time that you sort of started doing this, what, what, what would, I know you said that the people used to come out of their offices and apologize and all that kind of good stuff, but what, what other option or solution or like, what was the kind of the, the incumbent for want of a better word? Or what, what, what's, what was the alternative when you sort of started doing what you were doing or sort of like at the beginning, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that was, you know, that was really, it was, was having your front office staff call ahead of time. If they knew the provider was running late, they could call the patient and let them know, like, you know, you could show up 30 minutes later. Um, it was, it was more manual. Really manual. like that. Mm-hmm. Really manual. Yeah. Really manual. Yeah. And, like, and it yeah. makes sense because it's very complicated. So there's so many different um, resources that are, you know, going into a provider and a patient meeting, right? And being mm-hmm. in an exam room at the same time. You have yeah. um, staff that has to be available to do the intake. You have to have the patient that shows up at the right time um, and does their check-in, you know, the insurance, the payment, all of that stuff. You have to have the right number of exam rooms to be able to um, accommodate the patients. And then you have to have the provider's time sync up with all of that. So there's all these different moving parts mm. and it's very, very challenging. Um, if not, maybe impossible for a human to just do all of these calculations well, and figure out all these logistics. Right? Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. As efficiently as possible. Yeah. Um, and so w- when you, we can jump with after this we'll jump into all of the great stuff that doc pace is doing but i just want to kind of ask one more question around how the kind of the setup of this sort of happened mm-hmm. which is like at the at the time how kind of supportive or, or not were you know some of the people that you were talking to on the either the clinician side or the kind of the payer side about what you were mm-hmm. doing did they kind of get it from the get-go or was it a bit of an education process or like how how did that kind of you know, shake out? I would say it was a pretty good mix. So you, you know, you, you always have the folks that are more tech forward um, and more interested in adopting new technologies. And those, those folks typically, you know, were instantly intrigued and like, wow, this is amazing. Um, And then you always have the, the folks that are a little bit more technology adverse and it's, it's mostly just that they're used to their system and their current processes and, um, and maybe not ready to, to change those. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say, you know, pr- a pretty good mix of, of both were seen. Okay. And um, w- w- was that like what you expected or was it sort of one way or the other, like, you know, be- slightly better than you thought or like slightly worse than you thought? Um, it's probably what I expected. I think, you know, it also probably had a lot to do with how their current operations were going. Um, and if, you know, they had certain goals they were trying to achieve and they needed, um, tools and technology to help be able to do that. Um, you know, there's, I guess, more depth that goes into it, but generally it was probably what I would, what I would expect to see. Okay. And from a payer perspective, I know we keep talking about payers and I, it's, it's kind of interesting um, just for the, I guess, for the listeners who I guess a large chunk are going to be UK based. So mm-hmm. when we talk about payers, the UK payer is effectively the NHS. I mean, there's private healthcare companies and stuff like that, but for the most part, the NHS is the payer, i.e. the money for the services comes from the NHS. And so, but in the US, it's slightly different, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, uh, the payers would be, you know, the um, 
could be the, the employers, the insurance, um, and then you also have, uh, you know, the, the patient is, is paying a portion of that. Mm. Um, and I think the interesting thing that we've really focused on as far as the, how the payers um, play into this is we do score patient satisfaction um, and that helps determine um, reimbursements for medical insurance. And so so that's a very interesting piece of this conversation. Yeah. I was going to ask about that next, which is like, why does it matter to a payer whether patients are happy or not happy? Or rather, mm-hmm. why does it matter what, how long they wait for treatment or not? Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Does it, yeah. Why does it matter? And that's because you can be penalized for that, right? right. Um, and I think that gets into another piece of this whole story is just that there's a lot of components of our system that are more or less misaligned. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's made it challenging to implement a solution because you really have to figure out like, how can we make all of these moving parts and players align and, and it be incentivized in, you know, a way that's working together, yeah. um, so that they're encouraged to, you know, or motivated to implement that change and follow it. So, yeah, um, I, I mean, I don't know if it's the same way in the U S but like, you know, it's so multifaceted and it's sort of mm-hmm. like any one stakeholder can kind of bring down the whole thing in the sense of a new proposition. So like everyone has to kind of be on the same page for something to get off the ground. And that's that's one of the reasons for the slower uptake of, of, of this stuff than potentially in sort of more of a private mm-hmm. space or, or other sort of industry sectors is just there's just too there's so many people that you have to get all in a line. For something to then get yeah. adopted but i don't know if it's the same in the very, it's very fragmented mm-hmm. no definitely um and and that's a challenge in and of itself right um but that's ultimately what kind of started this whole de- idea was mm-hmm. the fact that um low patient satisfaction scores actually uh can it be a big penalty for a lot of these health systems and organizations. Mm. Um, and, and that's kind of what first intrigued me in the hospital setting. I was just like, wow, this is crazy. Um, and what's even more wild is that, you know, those scoring um, surveys are really all based on perception too. Okay. Um, so that means, you know, me as a patient, did I feel like I waited 30 minutes or longer? That's like highly Um, subjective, right? Yes, exactly. Right. Um, And so, you know, that's, that's, it makes it um, more difficult to, I guess, rely on like data that just says, oh, well, you waited actually. Well, yeah, like 23 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, whether I waited 23 minutes or 27 minutes or 32 minutes, I'm still kind of annoyed about waiting. Right. And I'm dissatisfied. So, okay. You might tell me it's 29 and I thought it was 35, but like Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I'm still kind of upset. Yep. Um, And so, and like, again, it might be a bit too complicated to go into, but I'm, I'm guessing that these penalizations for low satisfaction scores are, sort of material or meaningful in, in the sense to these people, they're not sort of just a window dressing. It's actually a fairly meaningful or material issue for insurance companies mm-hmm. or whoever the payer happens to be. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, you know, the, I guess in a way it can give some guidance of, you know, areas to focus on where to improve Um whether you're, you know, that be the, the provider themselves or their practice as a whole or the hospital health system. It's, you know, where do we need to focus on mm-hmm. actually implementing some, some change and improving the way that we're, we're operating and doing things. Okay. Um, and the, the wait time is really interesting because think about when you go to a doctor's visit, it's really kind of the first impression you get, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, or like if you go to the hospital and it's like a complete disaster zone and, and you know, and, and, and you've been waiting in the ER, for the emergency room, A&E is what we call it. But 
you know, for two hours. It's a it's a horrendous experience. Yeah, you just start off on a bad note. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then that that plays into like, well, it's your perception of it. So if that's how it starts, it's very hard to overcome that in the mm. process and and shift it. So did you? So did you? Um, let's so let's move on to Doc Pace now. And so mm-hmm. how would you explain? To, to everyone listening, how, how would you explain what DocPace does and why it matters? Mm. Um, so we are using advanced data science to manage care coordination for healthcare providers. Uh, and ultimately that's to help maximize patient throughput while minimizing patient wait time. Okay, okay. so <laughs> what does all that mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're using math essentially to match limited resources like provider time, staff availability, room availability with provide uh, with patients' needs, um, which is just a fancier way of saying that we're matching supply with demand. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so like, um, I, and when you say, because I, I think when you say it like that, first of all, it makes total sense. But second of all, I suspect it's like a lot more complicated than it sounds. Um, so like, is there some way where you can kind of elaborate a bit on maybe the complexities that are involved so people can get a grasp of like why it's not just as simple as sort of, you know, oh, yeah, there's a delay on your thing and you get a notification about the delay to your to your appointment. Right. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot more to it. So maybe you could give an elaboration there. Yeah, um, I would love to because it is it seems like a very simple um problem to solve and would be a simple solution which is what I thought seven years ago when I started (laughs) (laughs) I love that yeah 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 yeah. Um, I like that that's great and um you know it's similar to what we were discussing earlier of like on the surface it does seem quite simple but when you actually dig into it and you're like what's the root cause of this why is this happening to begin with that's very complex and it's because you know, a lot of the things we've been talking about, there's misalignment and in, in incentives, you know, on the one end, doctors are, are being kind of forced to try and see more patients um, in a day. And uh, that causes appointments to get double and triple booked. And then you have patients who um, get dissatisfied when they have to wait. And then, you know, that's because their expectation has been set by literally every other industry that is like on demand. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and then on top of all of that, you have, okay, well, what does it take to make, you know, to, to have an appointment happen? You have to match the provider with the patient, have their mm-hmm. timeline up, have an exam room for them to go into um, and have them, prepped and like all the paperwork done. And so you end up with, you know, all these parts of the appointment that have to line up um, with when the provider is actually going to be ready to see you. Um, And all of that ends up being quite complicated uh, to, to sync up just to, to tell a a patient when to, or suggest a patient when to arrive so that they have Mm -hmm. to wait the least amount of time. And is it the wait time that you guys have isolated as this as a really big factor in patient satisfaction or dissatisfaction? Mm-hmm. So on um, most uh, surveys, it's actually the most heavily weighted metric. Okay, so that's kind of what we, you know, when I first started looking into this patient satisfaction, how do we solve this? What's the most important parts to focus on? And then that's that's how I came to that conclusion. Okay. And what are some of the reasons that contribute? So I, I look, I think it's I think this area is one of those things where people at first glance they think they know what it's about. Like I would I would say I look at first glance, but then I actually think, like you said, there's a lot more going on under the hood. So what are some of those complications or reasons that lead to waiting times? What what are the factors that go into that? Mm-hmm. Um okay, so let's maybe we can break it down here. Um a single appointment, let's say it's me going in to see a primary care doctor, there are numerous different uh, parts of the appointment process that have to happen either before I even arrive to the office, once I arrive, uh, 
um, up until I'm actually able to see the healthcare provider. Um, and it's all of those parts of the process that don't always get accounted for during the scheduling okay. process. Um, so if you look at how a schedule is done, a typical schedule, you know, we have a, a pretty standard process we follow here, at least in the States where, um, a new patient is like a 30 minute slot and a follow-up mm -hmm. appointment is a 15 minute slot. And that's just how the whole day gets scheduled out normally on 15 minute increments. Um, but there's a lot of that that's not being accounted for on the scheduling side, mm -hmm. not saying anyone, I mean, this is, we're, we're doing the best of our ability here is, is, you know, yeah. staff scheduling appointments and providers seeing patients. Um, and that's, that's where you can really leverage not only historical data, but um, some of this advanced data science to be able to understand like all these different components of the appointment and how you can, what we call it, stack them um, to make the day go as smoothly as possible. Okay. And, you know, that's, if you're talking, let's say it's seven different parts of the appointment process for each patient and you, you know, you're seeing 25 patients a day, like there's no way you could that's a lot. schedule all of that out. That's a lot. That sounds like a exactly. lot. Daily. Exactly. <laughs> like every Daily. Day. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and so that's just for one doctor. Like, okay, now what if you look at a practice that has 20 doctors Yeah, and they're insane. each seeing that? Yeah. That's crazy. So, um, from the clinician side or the practice side or however your sort of customers are, what's, could you walk us through, like, what's the, what do they see? Like, how does it kind of, what, what's the process from their side? Because on the face of it, it just makes like total sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, let, me, let me see if I can help give a little visual here. So for the practice, we provide them with a web-based uh, dashboard, pretty typical okay. like SaaS, SaaS platform. Yeah. Um, where it's integrated with their existing schedule. So we just pull their schedule each day and run it through our algorithms and it uh, pretty much spits out like more accurate. Um, so it's like, play, this is, this play is like, their day. This, yeah. So it's like, this is what you said your schedule was, but this is actually really what your schedule is. Yes, exactly. Okay. That's cool. Um, That's really cool. So, it shows them, um, and then it also gives them like insights on that dashboard, um, and and it you know puts the patients in a queue that's like the most efficient way that they could see them, mm -hmm. um, and so that helps basically manage and and let them run the practice more smoothly. Okay, um, and then on the patient side, it's a very similar experience to flight status updates for that you get from your airline. Okay. So prior to the visit, um, actually two hours prior, you get a text update and there's a link in there for our virtual waiting room, um, which has, it's basically like an appointment tracker. So up okay. until you're seen, you get, um, we give you the suggested arrival time and that's when we suggest you arrive to have to uh, experience or to be able to experience the, the least amount of wait time I, possible. I think that's, I think that that's awesome. I think one of the things that, you know, for me, like, I always get worried if I go to the doctor and if I, I like, generally speaking, I always know that there's, they're, they're always going to be delayed. I mean, there's always like, it, it's never the time that you think it is. It's just never, never, <laughs> ever happened well, to me in the history of my life. So um, if so, but then I That's get worried. It's complicated. Yeah, no, it's super complicated. <laughs> I'm not like criticizing, right? I'm just, you know, but then I get worried though, because if I don't show up at the appointment time that I was supposed to show up at, do they like, yep. do they cancel my appointment? Even though I, mm -hmm. I'm still going to wait for half an hour, 45 minutes after my appointment time. So I, I, I totally get, see how this is a, a massive, massive improvement on that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, and you're not alone in feeling that way. Like okay, I think good. most patients still. <laughs> okay. And so like, what's, what's the reaction been both from, from patients and also from clinicians to, to what DocPace is doing? Mm. Um, it's been, you know, it's been able to really help improve their day's operations, um, you know, on the staff side, whether that's staff helping in the front, staff helping in the back, the nurses, MAs, 
um, really been able to streamline and improve the, the communication and the workflow within their operations. Um, and then on the, the patient side, you know, have been able to um, reduce their, their wait times and have them show up, you know, maybe it's just 10 minutes within when they're supposed to be seen as opposed to um, awesome. 30 plus minutes. So and do you have like, do you have any metrics or any kind of evidence around sort of like how accurate your, so when you're, when you, when someone gets mm-hmm. a text message to say, we think that your appointment time is going to be, you know, 347 or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, like how accurate that system actually turns out to be. Yeah. So the, the majority of the time we're, we're somewhere in the, um, within that 10 minute range of when it wow. actually is. That's yeah. cool. That's amazing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. That's really cool. That's like, that's really, really great. I think that that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so where is DocPace generally, where, where's your focus right now in terms of, um, you know, the people that you're working with, your, your kind of target areas? Mm. Um, so we do uh, focus, I guess the, this is a little bit of a complicated question. So we're integrated with existing scheduling systems. And the one that right. we're primarily focused on right now is a um, system called Athena Health. Okay. And we're partners with them around their marketplace. And so that's okay. like high level. That's, the, that's our main kind of focus. And then within that, um, we do have um, specific size practices that we target um, somewhere in the, the 20 to 100 provider practices. And typically, you know, these single specialty practices, um, although I will say that we are not... Um, specialty specific this works kind of across the board yeah it's like agnostic. Uh, and it was designed it, like that yeah yeah it's like agnostic right yeah exactly yeah cool sorry carry on specialties yeah so um you know we're we've we've worked with all sorts of specialties across the board even urgent cares okay um and is that um, a hospital level urgent care or is that different separate so we have well we have the emergency room which is part of the hospital and then we also have um urgent cares which is to kind of help alleviate some of that patient load on the er Mm -hmm. um and you know it's more of like your common cold visits and that aren't quite emergency but still need urgent care so i mean urgent i see what you mean so timely (laughs) but not not fatal sort of thing Yes, exactly. Um, And so how has the last 12 months or 18 months, I mean, what's, I mean, we've seen it, but but I'm guessing that the kind of, there's been a huge transformation in the the way that that care is being delivered in in the States. Um, And so how has that like impacted what you would, because you've obviously existed doing this before COVID. So how, Mm -hmm. how has COVID impacted what you've been doing and what you've been saying in your vision? So, you know, I think this is a fun conversation because I think before a lot of what I was doing was vision selling, right? Like Mm -hmm. trying to share what this vision is of kind of where I see the the healthcare system going and the changes that are going to happen. And then now afterwards, you've seen just naturally a shift of like, oh, this makes sense. This is what we need. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I think that's kind of like the, the biggest thing that, that happened over the past 12 to 18 months was just that across the board, you've seen a shift of, of like, okay, we need to turn to technology improvements and advancements in order to help us be able to keep up with this um you know whether it's it's demand or just the changing environment of for example like most a lot of practices aren't even using their waiting room they have the patients wait in the car and now you've just introduced like a whole new like okay well how do we manage that yeah well so they're coming out are they coming out (laughs) into the car park with like a clipboard and like being like you know is that is that like that's that's what's happening sort of thing some some will do that and some will have the patient call when they arrive and now you've got to have oh oh you know a staff oh that oh answers the <laughs> oh wow okay yeah that's crazy that's so, incre- yeah, I mean, that's, that's mad 
part of what we added to our virtual waiting room was the ability to um, hit a button when you arrived. So now all Ooh. those practices, yeah, <laughs> that like, are having. Yeah, yeah. I, this is one of the reasons why I love doing this show because, you know, there's like, there's so many people out there do, do coming up with really elegant solutions to really complicated problems that most people think are really simple to solve, but they're actually really not. So I think those problems are the most complicated to solve, but solving them in a really elegant way, I think is, is brilliant. So yeah, no, this is, it's, um, I love this stuff. This is great. And really, I mean, at the end of the day, you, you have to, because otherwise the user adoption is like so difficult. Yeah. Right. Like you have to make it very, very simple, and seamless to use. Um, and for us, that's something we've really had to think about a lot, not just on the patient side and what the patient experiences, but how the actual practice uses DocPace as well. And, and making, mm. you know, we're presenting quite complicated <laughs> data and insights yeah. on there, but it's yeah. like, OK, well, how do we make this like as simple as possible so that it's very intuitive it, of what. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. And yeah, exactly. So that it's just in, intuitive of what, you know, it's, it's trying to tell you or help you with. Yeah. Cause I think it's sort of like, it's really complicated. There's lots of, you know, data inputs, there's lots of variables, but like it kind of boils down to there's a, is it that there's like a, a you're trying to boil it down into a simple set of actions that either the patient or the clinician team can take at any one time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. And um, what what kind of impact have, have you seen on patient satisfaction with with, mm-hmm. with you know, with because um, it sounds like that was one of the key metrics that you were focused on. And so in the practices or, or institutions that are using DocPace, what's been the mm-hmm. what's been the patient feedback or the patient impact? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's been um, been quite positive. We've been able to help those patients um, alleviate time, which uh, who doesn't love that? Yeah. That's a <laughs> and, and, um, you know, in some cases it was, it was patients waiting in a line uh, around the block, um, let's say for, yeah. for an ur- urgent care. And, and now they no longer even have the line out the door. Right. It's just the patient shows up, goes straight in. Um, right. sometimes you even see like from the time you show up to the time you end, you're like in and out in 15 minutes. Like that's right. the dream. Yeah, well, that's how everyone right. else lives their life, right? Like that's every other aspect of your life is basically aligned that way now. I mean, it's sort mm-hmm. of that's like you said at the beginning. I mean, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, every other aspect of people's lives has coached them into thinking that or, or, or believing that they can have things on demand when they want, whenever they want, wherever they want, you know, and it's a quick, seamless, low friction transaction, whatever that transaction happens to be. And kind of healthcare, you know, there's got some catching up to do for, for good reasons, right? There's, there's, there's idiosyncrasies about, about healthcare and healthcare provision that, that mean it's, you know, more of a high friction, high touch environment, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, I think what you guys are trying to do makes total sense. And it's just aligning um, this aspect of the healthcare system with, with the rest of the way that people think about living their lives. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, um, and so like with, with, um, with this sort of waiting time issue particularly where um previously they could have been waiting around the block or they were waiting like you know whatever like relatively a lot longer period of time are you guys able to sort of track like the average reduction in that type of stuff and like you know what's the kind of is is there any sort of like key metrics or statistics that you guys like to sort of use to say well actually on average, we save an individual this amount of time versus, mm-hmm. you know, the, the where, where, where previously they would have spent two hours in a line or how, how do you guys think about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so some of those um, metrics we're still um, working on just kind of compiling all yeah. of the work we've done over the past year. Um, but in general, that's, that's kind of what we, the the one that we look at is this 10 minute one. So like typically right. you're arriving like within this 10 minute time frame of, right. Which of is when awesome. you're seen. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if you arrive within 10 minutes of when you're seen, your average appointment time is no longer than 25 minutes if you're an existing patient. Right. If it's mm-hmm. a 15. Okay. Which is kind of yeah. transformative, really. 
It is, um, especially in those scenarios where, you know, sometimes you can end up with these like hour long waits. Oh, I mean, um, it's happened to me in general practice where like, it's not even that urgent. I just have a thing and I just want to go and have the, th- you know, I just, I don't know yeah. what it is. And it's sort of, you end up in there for an hour and you're like, like, yeah, you can work on your phone sometimes and things like that. But it's sort of like, it took you half an hour to get there. You're in there for an hour. It's like a half an hour to get out. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's like significant. And the, you know, that's love the point you just made here, because think about that process you just explained and how much that plays into people wanting to go take care of their healthcare needs. Yeah. Um, and that's like a whole, whole another part of this conversation, which we haven't dived into too much yet, but um, just eliminating those obstacles and, and any inconvenience of, yeah. of going to the doctor so that people can actually prioritize it more yeah and like Um, they and they don't you know there's lots of things that you don't necessarily need to worry about but there's a lot of things that you do really need to worry about and you should go and get seen to but like you know if you're I mean if you're not lucky enough to have a you know if you're if you're not fortunate enough to be in a position where you can you know take some time out of your day to go to the doctors which is the case for millions and millions of people like reducing a two-hour cycle time to like 20 minutes 25 minutes has a transformative effect on their ability to go and get that stuff seen to, I, I suspect, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, and just making that, the whole process that much easier. And, you know, if we're, if we're talking more forward looking of where DocPace is going, like a lot of our, um, you know, additional features and things we'll add on are all around this kind of this vision of, making this process as efficient and convenient as possible for um, the patient. And then, you know, also always thinking about how to help the provider still meet, you know, what are their goals and the things that they're trying to do as well. But in general, there's a lot of, yeah. 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 I was going to say, I mean, I think that, that just off the back of what you said, I mean, I'm guessing you've already figured this out probably, but like, I think that there's a major, there's a massive preventative health issue here, right? Which is like, you're, you're enabling people to, you're enabling people to take preventative steps as opposed to, oh my God, I can't take two hours out of my day. I got to work. I got to do the kids. I got to whatever. Like this, this enables that person to get, to go and get seen more, more like earlier on in the process, which from a payer's perspective means the risk of them incurring massive costs as that person's healthcare situation worsens is massively improved, right? You know, if you can get stuff mm-hmm. early from a payer's perspective, like all well and good. Um, so I actually mm-hmm. think that there's this kind of like a, there's like a, yes, this is what, again, why I love doing the show because, you know, things that on the face of things might seem quite logistic or, you know, however, actually have this potential to massively transform um, the treatment of preventative diseases and all this type of thing, I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and, you know, that's, that's ultimately why I mean, I, I that even happens to, I, I'm guilty of that as well, right? Like, sometimes I'll put off certain appointments, because I'm just like, I, I don't know where to fit it in my in my day. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if I, if I had more clarity on exactly how long it would be, um, you know, I, I'd probably be more likely just to stick it in there somewhere on the calendar well yeah no, it's, it's then, how, how, how else do people that's how people run every other aspect of their life right mm-hmm. like that's that's how that's how it works so i look i think it's great so on that kind of topic how what, what is next over the next 12 to 24 months for doc pace what what's what's on the docket mm. so um you know a lot of it will be continuing to expand on our our virtual waiting room um, and adding additional features in there to continue improving the experience for the patient. So think anything that you can do prior to an appointment to, um, you know, help speed things up, help things get done ahead of time. Um, we'll be adding those in there. So whether that's, you know, your patient portal, um, your, um, your payment, mm. your paperwork, um, all that stuff to be done ahead of time even you know sometimes you can add in um let's say the nurse has to go over certain information with you ahead of your appointment like we can add in videos of that ahead of time all those sorts of things to help streamline that process for the patient 
Yeah. And on the provider side, it's more logistical operational focus. So how can you continue to help them um, improving the way that they're scheduling patients? A lot of that has to do with providing more analytics and insights and things like, you know, uh, schedule templates and guidelines to follow. Um, and, you know, we tie all these things together and we'll just continue to keep improving the experience across the board for both sides. Good. And have you got plans to kind of, you know, do you think about the U.S. in a geographic sense or is it more related to working with specific providers and specific institutions and networks and things like that? Um, I think we look, let me see if I understand what you're, what you're asking, just if we'll, we work across the board in the U.S. Or... Yeah, like the way that you think about how to scale out across the U.S. is it sort of like, okay, we're going to do, you know, the, the, we're going to do the East Coast, the Middle and the West Coast, or do you more focus on who the actual providers are and the payers and the insurance companies are and the institutions and the, the, clinic, mm. the, you know, the clinical networks? And do you sort of build it that way? Yeah, so most of that is guided by our integrations um, and actually integrating with these, these existing EMRs and schedule systems. And within those, though, we are nationwide, um, you know, Actually, a lot of that happened uh, post or at the start of COVID when everything went quite virtual overnight yep. um, because we were originally focused on, you know, the New Orleans, Louisiana market and then quickly uh, had to adapt to doing everything virtually. And so that enabled us to do all of our demos and um, onboards and setups and everything virtually. And so we could really can help anyone anyone anywhere well i hope at some point you make the trip over the pond um because i feel like this could really help um the nhs at the moment in 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 a lot of ways so um look shelby i think on that note i just want to say thank you very much for coming on the show shelby sanderford ceo of doc pace i think what you guys are doing is fantastic like i said it would be great to kind of see something like that in the NHS at some point, because I actually think it would go down really well, not just with the patients, but also with the clinicians. So thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Steve, for having me. This was so wonderful. It's yeah. exciting to to have these conversations and um, keep on pushing, pushing forward with all these changes. And, and hopefully that's across the pond one day. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you everyone for listening. And we'll be back again next week with another great show. Hi, this is Steve Roost, and you're listening to Health Tech Hour on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio.